Hey everyone, this is Darren Isamoto, and you're listening to Foundation 411, the podcast for all things Cal Poly Pomona Foundation. In this episode, we'll be recapping part two of the Foundation Town Hall meeting that took place on Tuesday, August 17th. And in case you missed it, you'll want to check out the part one episode released just before this one. So in this episode, we'll be recapping the Foundation Pride Slide segment, as well as the Q&A portion. So first up, our Foundation Pride Slide with Director of Foundation Housing Services, Dave Loxamana. Uh, so it's my pleasure to uh, share with you the Foundation Pride Slide. Uh, for a little bit of context, the university held a virtual retreat for management staff last week. Uh, one of the items that each area presented was a pride slide. Uh, the purpose of the slide is to recognize the great achievements and efforts made by each department and unit during the pandemic. Uh, special note for grants and contracts, you were not excluded. Uh, academic affairs also presented and we didn't want to duplicate efforts. Uh, so uh, without further ado, here are some of the foundation highlights and accomplishments from this past year. Uh, looking at the slide, um, uh, picture number one, uh, the virtual town hall meetings. Uh, the foundation created an open space for employees during the pandemic by offering quarterly virtual town hall meetings. Each meeting ended with a Q&A session, allowing individuals to ask questions or raise concerns. The town hall also served as a means of communication to foundation employees by focusing on recent events, news, and department highlights. Uh, picture number two at the Kaiser uh, Permanente Vaccination Hub. Foundation Dining Services has served healthcare workers about 32,000 meals throughout the hub residency. Uh, the dining staff worked dil diligently to ensure that our healthcare heroes were cared for and fed. Uh, moving on to the essential market, as a service to the community and during the pandemic, Centerpoint Dining Commons began selling food staples, toiletries, cleaning supplies, and more. Uh, the essential market was open to the public and included discounted items for CPP faculty and staff. Uh, picture four, uh, Foundation and Centerpoint uh, partnered with, Cal with the, Pal sorry, the Poly Pantry and Basic Needs Initiative uh, with the Division of Student Affairs to provide Thanksgiving dinner packages to Cal Poly Pomona students, faculty, and staff experiencing food insecurity. Uh, this collaboration provided the opportunity to gift a complete dinner package to a colleague or donate to a student employee in need. In addition, the Foundation donated two meal passes to the Poly Pantry for every purchase of a full turkey dinner. Uh, this program allowed the Cal Poly Pomona Foundation to donate over 130 turkey dinners to a Bronco in need. Uh, the uh, Bronco Bookstore, uh, slide five, uh, the Bronco Bookstore expanded its e-commerce options for students by offering enhanced product selection on the website and expanding and improving processing capabilities in the store. This allowed them to process 3,000 more orders for fall 2020 compared to fall 20, uh, 2019. Uh, the student laptop program. Uh, in partnership with the University and Dell, the Bronco Bookstore established a student laptop program helping students acquire needed technology. The program offered complete Dell laptop packages at a low negotiated price, which included extended warranties and flexible payment options for students, allowing them to spread out the cost and keep payments affordable. The Instant Access Program. Uh, the bookstore increased its Instant Access Program participation from 70 courses to 675 in fall 2020 and 836 in spring 2021. This impacted over 18,000 students and provided 48,000 ebooks while saving about $900,000 compared to print or regularly priced digital options. 
This led to our success being profiled by NACS and Verba on their Copy Chat podcast. Uh, the faculty staff affordable housing program. Uh, Foundation Real Estate sold five faculty staff homes in our affordable housing program, providing significantly reduced pricing for our campus community. In addition, the Foundation Real Estate Department began working with the village to offer some of the available spaces to faculty and staff. This partnership has been valuable resources to faculty and staff during this time. The rental rates are attractive, which with utilities included, and individuals are allowed to move in with no credit check or security deposit required, uh, which is not typical in most areas. And currently the village is housing uh, 13 faculty and staff. Uh, picture nine, the, the uh, Tesla program at Innovation Village leased 275 spaces in the vacant lot adjacent to uh, Innovation Brewworks. The space was used to house vehicles from the Tesla facility uh, near campus uh, from January to June of 2021. Uh, picture 10, Campus South. Uh, several music videos, uh, movies, and television shows were filmed throughout the pandemic at Campus South, uh, which provided additional revenue to the university during the pandemic. Uh, you can see uh, Justin Bieber, Ben Affleck, uh, Shamar Moore there, uh, and also not pictured, uh, Kristen Bell's new show, uh, Queen Pins, was filmed at both uh, Campus South and Innovation Brewworks. Uh, slide 11, um, the village. So, uh, though the village was minimally staffed in person for the majority of last year, uh, the staff delivered exceptional customer service to the residents. The resident advisors engaged uh, and supported the community through virtual programs uh, and events such as Jackbox Party, Among Us, Hogwarts Escape Room, resume workshops, and cooking with your RAs. Uh, the village and the brick collaborated to offer residents uh, an exercise equipment checkout program uh, and hosted small outdoor activities such as Pilates, uh, and yoga, beginner skateboarding, uh, picture there, and intro to fly fishing. Uh, last slide, uh, in June of 2020, the foundation launched the Foundation 411 podcast to bring employees closer together while working remotely. Uh, the podcast reports on news regarding all things foundation, from important announcements to lighthearted stories, employee profiles, and commentary. Uh, so we just wanted to thank everyone uh, for your energy, your ideas, your resilience, uh, and your perseverance this past year uh, and continuing to provide services and support to our students and to each other during the pandemic. Thank you. Next, we've got the Q&A portion of the town hall meeting. Executive Director Jared Seha answers employee submitted questions read by Director of Dining Services, Aaron Nielsen. Uh, stateside employees have worked remotely throughout the pandemic and even pushed back their start date. We have all worked at least a few days a week from the beginning. Why was the safety of foundation employees not a priority? So when I first read this question, uh, it hit me hard. Um, you know, I, our employees have always been on the forefront of my mind and the main focal point in strategic discussions with the leadership team and our campus partners. Um, you know, I, I took great pride or I take great pride in the fact that we were the, the first division to begin placing hand sanitizing stations, installing plexi barriers and supplying PP&E. We were also the first unit to release a daily health screener, uh, create a permanent remote work policy and adjust our services to the requirements of the pandemic. All that being said, this question points out that we missed the mark for at least some of you. Um, despite our best efforts, not everyone feels the care that we were striving to provide. So let me walk through how we got to where we are now and why it is different, although I would say very similar to our stateside colleagues. Um, first off, 
most of the foundation workforce has never left campus as part of the government defined essential workers. Uh, this includes agriscapes, the Arabian Horse Center, Bronco Bookstore, dining, facilities, farm store, village housing, and more. Um, these operations on campus really dictated the hybrid presence of some support units like administration, financial services, human resources, IT, marketing, and real estate. At the same time, stateside employees in agriculture, custodial, landscaping, the trades, parking and transportation, student health and wellness services, university housing services, and university police, and, and probably many more were here as well. And we know this because every time the president's office helped host a free essential employees lunch, Centerpoint drew, drew a huge crowd. So there definitely were some people around. But Knowing that most employees were, most of our employees were already here, the executive team and I began to ask ourselves a, a series of questions. And, and here's only a sampling. Um, what does it mean for equity having only a minority of our employees fully remote? What measures can we put in place to create a safe on-campus environment? Who are we as an organization? If our primary goal is serving students, what is the most effective way to accomplish that? What are the individuals and areas that can be productive offsite? How do we remain flexible to our employees' needs? How do we maintain an environment focused on innovation, continuous improvement, and optimize service levels? What are the key dates being identified by the system and the university that we can align with? What are other auxiliaries doing? And how do we create new revenue streams that allow us to rehire some of the furloughed and laid off individuals from the previous year? And, and we didn't do this in a bubble. We heard your feedback that you shared with your directors and managers. We looked at the foundation feedback submitted through the Safer Return survey. So if any of you went on that Safer Return website, clicked the survey and filled things out, as long as you hit foundation, um, that was an identifier and allowed me to get aggregate data. I, couldn't, I didn't know who said what, but uh, I could see aggregate data from a foundation point of view. Um, we considered all questions submitted for these meetings. So the quarterly town hall meetings, as hopefully you see by the difficulty of the question posed today, you know, all questions were brought in to be um, heard and considered. Um, we gave time to all, all messages of concern that were shared by employees. And we worked hard to collaborate with our campus partners. So this brought the team to some conclusions and really where practical, we needed to be back for equity, business continuity, and to best serve our students and campus community. But we must do so prepared by preparing a safe workspace while acknowledging places we missed and taking quick action to improve. So we did have some misses as much as we prepared. There were spaces that we, we missed or one or two spaces that we were able to, to quickly rectify. Um, we knew we needed an active long-term telecommuting program uh, we must act with compassion for those in unique situations. Uh, we need to foster an environment where new and rehired employees felt welcomed, included, and informed. And we absolutely needed to be amenable and flexible to respond to this new normal. Um, these conclusions, powered by your input, led us to where we are today. Uh, we are largely back, uh, but we do have an active telecommuting program in place. Uh, we're ready to serve our stakeholders in a safe manner and as prepared as we can be. And we are remaining flexible to the ever-changing environment. So I care about you, the leadership team cares about you, and I expect you to care about each other, or really at least want you to care about each other. Um, I want you to be happy, healthy, productive, and fulfilled. 
And I want those same things for those that we serve. We may do things differently than the campus at times, but the goal is to do things better where we can. Uh, one last note on the topic, uh, the university delegated some authority over the return to each of the VPs. Um, some divisions have returned almost completely while others are still significantly hybrid. The approach is different because the impact on students is different. Everyone is trying to balance practical safety with the service mission of the university. So hopefully for, you know, I, I applaud the courage to ask a question like this, um, but hopefully I, I cover the answer maybe more thoroughly than you were looking for. Uh, but uh, thanks for asking. Thank you, Jared. So whose job is it to enforce masking indoors? So the simple answer is it's everyone's job. Um, our operations exist under the premise that we will do our best to facilitate an optimal environment for those we serve. Safety is a huge part of that. Thus, we all need to provide reminders to our colleagues, customers, and students if they forget to wear their mask indoors. It could be a simple, don't forget to wear your mask, or kind of my favorite method, if I walk by and see someone forgot, I'll kind of tug on my mask to remind them that they need to put on theirs. Um, anything you can do to make sure that we're reminding each other, helping each other out. Um, it, may, it may even involve walking someone to a PPE cabinet to grab them a mask. And this will solve almost all issues in terms of forgetting to mask indoors. But the challenge comes when someone refuses. And while everyone needs to provide those reminders I just mentioned, any escalations need to be directed to a member of the management team. Staff members, particularly our student associates, uh, should not be the ones handling someone that might become problematic or, or challenging. That really needs to follow the managers and then they can follow the appropriate steps uh, to make sure we're complying with the, with the law and the guidelines. Thank you for that. How do we upload our vaccination record? Nora, will you please take this one? Uh, Nora had to step off for just a moment, so I will take that uh, question. So what you're going to do is you would go into the Cal Poly site onto the health portal and you will take a snapshot of your vaccination card. We did find out that the barcode does not work. They actually need an actual copy of the card and you would do the dual authentication and upload your card through there. You are going to receive a notification that it's in process while they verify and confirm your card. And once it's confirmed, you can go back in there and it will tell you that the card has been confirmed. Thank you, Shara. Thank you, Shara. And what if I, I don't want to do that. If I want to be tested weekly, can I simply not upload my vaccination record? Well, we would hope everyone would want to upload their vaccination records to show that they've been vaccinated. But if that's your personal choice, then you would have to be tested weekly and you would have to complete the health screener um, indicating that you are not vaccinated. However, there will be a point in time where you will not be allowed on campus if you have not uploaded your vaccination card. Yeah, and that really comes September 30th. So at that point, it's it's not an option. Um, you, you need to either have your, um, it uploaded, your vaccination record uploaded, or you need to have one of the exemptions on file. Um, really, there's a cost to testing. Um, there's a cost to testing here on campus and our infrastructure. It, it's, not a, it's not of a size that could effectively test every single person. And so it, it really counts on people uploading and, and siphoning that down. So if you want to get tested weekly, I really encourage you to go to your nearest Kaiser or other community location. 
I tested at Kaiser a few months ago and it was easy, it was free, and it was fairly quick. Um, just one side note, if you haven't done it yet, the cotton swab does go pretty deep up your nose. Uh, it doesn't hurt, but it's a little uncomfortable. So just uh, just be ready for that. But so what are the uh, what are the available exemptions and how do I request an exemption to the vaccination? There are two exemptions. There is the medical exemption. And if you want to request that, you would contact Human Resources and we would give you information on how to receive that exemption. There are forms that your treating physician will complete. I will tell you, I have heard that the treating physicians are not readily completing those forms just because. So you really do need to have a true bona fide health reason not to get vaccinated. The other exemption is your religious and strong personal belief. There is a form on the site where you can complete that, that will come into HR. We'll review that and there are no follow-up questions or anything because that's your own religion or your strong personal belief. But do remember, you will have to commit to that weekly testing. And then September 30th is your deadline. Thank you, Shai Ruth. I know. Real quick, Aaron, sorry, I know we're running short on time. I did see a question just related to what we we're talking about. And if you're having trouble uploading, there is a like a help email or help button on that page, but you can definitely reach out to HR um, and we can help you out if you're, and help guide you towards the proper place to upload. I have heard a few people had struggled the first time around and then went back in later and it worked fine. So uh, give it another go. Thank you, Jared. If, if I'm vaccinated, do I still need to report symptoms? Yes, you do. And the reason for that is even though you're vaccinated does not mean that you cannot catch corona, the virus, nor pass it on to other individuals. And it's also important that you understand that if you all do have symptoms, that you don't come on campus and have a possible exposure to other individuals. Thank you. And I've worked we're at 10 o'clock, although we're getting towards the end of the questions. I apologize for going over. I will say I did get a direct message question, and that's related to the vaccinations and whether if someone is, is being tested, um, or is it on the clock? And, and the answer is yes. If someone needs to be tested, um, which is basically if you haven't uploaded your vaccination card, um, then it, it, it does happen on the clock. So it needs to be scheduled in collaboration with the supervisor, whoever does scheduling for that particular site. Good question. Did locations get a deep cleaning prior to repopulation? I believe that's a question for Randy. Morning. So between the uh, university and foundation facilities, the majority of the areas received a deep cleaning within the last month. So in the beginning um, of the repopulation, there were you know, a couple areas um, that were not you know tidy. So we work with individuals um, you know, to address those issues and our facilities was able to you know, address those concerns. However, uh, we were able to alleviate those concerns and definitely reach out to us if there's any additional concerns that you guys are seeing you know, out there. Uh, several of our buildings have also received the facility, um, received filter upgrades to provide better air filtration in the buildings. And we are working with our HVAC contractors to continue changing our filters in the remaining buildings. So again, if there's any concerns that you guys know, uh, please reach out to facilities and we can address those issues. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Have we considered offering a voluntary 980 schedule? Uh, we absolutely have. Um, my initial plan was to work with the management team to roll out a 980 request process by now. 
Um, unfortunately, though, after doing some research, it appears that we need to put it out to an employee vote prior to offering even a voluntary program. Uh, the HR team is working on it now and should have some additional details this semester. Um, but I do want to emphasize that the program would not be across the board. It's not like the summer where everyone was required to be on a 410. An employee would need to request the 980 schedule that a manager evaluates based on operational needs. Um, it doesn't mean that offices would close every other Friday to meet that 980 schedule. That's not an option for, for us as a student-focused organization. Um, all that being said, I'm hopeful that you'll see it as a benefit when this rolls out. Um, I definitely see it as a step towards better work-life balance, really without sacrificing operational effectiveness. Great, thank you. Were last year's financial results as bad as we thought they were going to be with the pandemic? Uh, Joanne, that one's in your lane. Okay. Uh, so uh, as you all know, in December last year, we did a an organization-wide forecast, and we came up with a deficit of 10 million that we expected to have by the end of the fiscal year, which is June 30. Uh, I am happy to report that everyone's hard work, and you saw a lot of that in a previous slide that uh, Dave detailed, uh, all of that has paid off um, and we were able to lower that deficit. We did not get out of it considering the year we have or many organizations have had, we did not get it out of it, but we were able to lend uh, just under half, which is just under 5 million. Uh, all of our enterprise units outperformed their individual forecasts. Uh, you should also know that we had a really strong investment performance and we also received funding uh, from HERF One and the PPP that really helped us with our cash flow during the year. And long story short, we haven't slowed down. So we're hanging in there strong. That's cause to celebrate. Thank you, Joanne. You're welcome. Um, what dining operations will be open over the next few weeks? David, would you take that one, please? Yeah, starting uh, August 19th, um, besides uh, Hibachi Sun, we have uh, IBW, Panda Express, we have Pony Express at Campus Marketplace, Pony Express at uh, College of Business, Cadoba, Subway, uh, Starbucks, uh, Vista Market, uh, Lollicup, Centerpoint, and a new development, a new development concept, uh, Fit Bites at the Den. Um, uh, we're, we would like to expand or adjust our hours uh, depending on what locations. Um, so please uh, look at our dining hours for, for updated uh, information. Thank you. Thank you, David. Will there be a hot dog caper this fall? Ariel, our hot dog caper guru, please take this one. So unfortunately, due to COVID and the surging uh, Delta variant, hot dog caper is not feasible this year. Uh, events of its size currently require a lot of regulations and they're just not aligned with the safe campus environment that we are all committed to supporting. Um, but we'll be sure to notify everyone of any updated information um, as we go on, so. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you all for spending your Tuesday morning with with me um, and with us. I appreciate each one of you and your efforts getting us ready for the semester. Um, don't forget classes start on Thursday. Uh, traffic might be a little worse than we've seen in the last year and a half, so please prepare accordingly. Uh, but otherwise, have a great day, have a fantastic fall, and I look forward to seeing you all soon. And that concludes our recap of the town hall meeting. 
Remember, if you have news or stories for the podcast, feel free to reach out to me. Until then, happy fall semester, everyone. Take care and be safe. Foundation 411 is produced by the Cal Poly Pomona Foundation Marketing Department. If you have any questions or comments, please contact me, Darren Isamoto. For more information on Cal Poly Pomona Foundation, please visit foundation.cpp.edu.